is about to die on the cross to save the people, save us from our sins. He is a human sacrifice. Has God ever done that in Scripture? Because if we can't find that in Scripture, then that truth has not been established. Then our salvation is in vain. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Kingdom Rock Radio. You are moments away from receiving God's rich word. But first, remember that you can subscribe to our Roku channel as well as our podcast. And don't forget, for more information, you can always contact us at www.kingdomrock.org. And now, here is today's word. So, praise God. Let's go ahead and start. Um, We thank God for everybody being here this morning. And we thank God for our online community. Kingdom Rock, let's welcome our online community. God bless you. Wherever you are from all around the world, we want you to know that we're praying for you and your families. And we thank you for being here today. You are part of this service. Amen? Amen. All right. Let's get into the Word of God. Today, uh, we're in part number nine of the series, The Long Way Home. My Lord, we're in part nine. My God, we're part nine. And today is actually the ninth day of the month. That's, that, uh, I'm not saying that's something, but it's, an, it's interesting. Praise God. All right, so we're nine is number birthing, so we're in double birthing. Put it that way. I don't know. All right. But here we are in part number nine. Next week, I believe we will be concluding this series in part number 10. Should the, should the Lord say something different, then we'll do something different. Amen? Amen. But as of right now, I believe we will be concluding this at part 10 next week. Wow, it's been a long Amen. series. Amen. All right. Today's subtitle is John 316. <laughs> it's taken us nine parts to get here. <laughs> And we're finally getting here today. Woo! Praise God. Amen. All right. Well, let's go ahead and read our, um, our theme verse for this series, our series verse. But first, before we do that, come on and help me pray. Yes. Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for allowing us to be here to gather around your word. We pray today that you would speak to us expressly by your spirit. Help us to lift up the name of Jesus so that as Jesus is lifted up, all men will be drawn unto him. We lean on you. We rely on you. And we ask that you would have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, our series scripture is John 3, 16. And it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but but have everlasting life. That's so wonderful. All right, remember the question that we've been giving you all series long. The eternal question is, will you choose life or death? That's a choice that God will not take away from you. That's your choice. You have to choose eternal life or eternal condemnation. It's up to you. Hallelujah. Of course, the the Father says, choose life that you and your seed, your descendants, your family may live. We're going to go ahead and read once again verse 14 through 17, verse 14 through 17. So we're going to read, read over one more time, but I want to just give you some context because we started, or rather last week, uh, we really dove into verse 14. So let's go ahead and read verse 14 through 17. And it reads again, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. 
Now, I want you to notice something here in, in verse 16, and you can make a note of this in your Bible because there is, or on your paper, because there is a theme happening in verse 16 that's going to be woven uh, throughout all the scriptures or the majority of the scriptures that we're going to read today. All right. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what it is. It says in verse 16 again, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Underline that only begotten son. Let's say that three times. Only begotten son. Only begotten son. Only begotten son. All right. All right. God gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Or rather everlasting life. Correct. Thank you. Verse 17, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. We're going to look into uh, the other side of life on next week. We're going to talk about the condemnation. Now, the condemnation is something that he has saved you from, right? Unless you know about the other side, uh, really the life does not have any context unless you know about uh, condemnation, or we can say light may not have any context unless you know about darkness. You may say cold does not really have any context unless you context unless you understand about heat, right? You got to have to know what God saved you from, right? Those that are really truly praisers are the ones who understand what God has saved them from. Those that are truly joyful understand they've seen the pit. And they know I'm not going there, thank God. And that's something to praise God for. They understand their relationship. But let's look on a little bit further. So next week, the Lord willing, we'll talk about verse number 17 as we go on. Uh, verse 16, one more time. Look at this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Notice this that your salvation is motivated by love, is and was motivated by love. This whole thing started because God loved you. This whole thing started because God loved you. All right? So your salvation is motivated by love. It's not motivated by works. The scripture does not say, for God so loved the world because they were doing nice things for him that he one day decided because they were doing good to send Jesus to die for them. This whole thing was motivated by love. Say with me, my salvation, my salvation is, is and was motivated by love. Now, now, let me give you a few confirming scriptures. Let's go to 1 John 4, verses 9 and 10. 1 John 4, verses 9 and 10. All right. So when you're in your private time and devotion, you can meditate on these scriptures as well. Okay. Every time we give you a scripture verse, this is something that I believe with all my heart that the Holy Spirit uh, has dealt with me about to give to you. And if you take those verses home and read over them again, memorize them, should the Lord uh, give you grace, memorize them and really just get them in you and be uh, be ready to uh, declare them again when the time arises. So listen to 1 John, the fourth chapter, verse 9 and 10. So keep this in your toolbox. It says, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one, one and only son. Remember that theme I told you about earlier? Remember that thing we talked about John 3, 16, uh, only begotten son. Here it is, one and only son. Okay. Remember that thing. It says again, God showed how he loved us by 
by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. Verse 10, this is real love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. King James says, God sent his son to be the propitiation, which is a pleasing sacrifice of our sins. Amen. Let's look at them. Let's, let's look at that Romans, the fifth chapter, verses six through nine. I'm going to show you a lot of scripture today, and we're going to read a lot of it because I want to get it. Uh, I want to get it in your hearing. I want you to hear the word because the Bible says as well that the Holy Spirit will bring things back to your remembrance what the Lord has spoken unto you. It's not really possible for him to bring back something to your remembrance if you haven't heard it. All right. So I want to bring some things into your hearing so that you will hear it so that he will bring it back into your remembrance later on so that you can study as well. Romans five verses six through nine says this. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. The Bible says in King James, uh, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Verse seven. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for, for a person who is especially good. But I love the character of God. Look at this. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinning. Remember, your salvation is motivated by what? Motivated by love. Verse 9 and since we, have, since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, we will certainly, rather he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. God's condemnation is simply the wrath of God. Okay? Since he has saved you by the blood of Christ, you will also be saved from the wrath of God. From the wrath of God. Now, one day I pray that we'll be able to get into that, uh, really discover what the wrath of God is. But basically now it's a time of eternal damnation, eternal separation from God. And remember, God is good. God is everything that is good. If it is good, it is of God. So separation from God means separation from everything that is good. All right. Eternally. Now, again, so our salvation is motivated by love. And uh, that is the salvation of the human race, should we say, is motivated by love. And the salvation of the human race is also activated by and through faith in the only begotten Son of God. You cannot receive salvation in any other name or in any other way. Salvation, true salvation, uh, true rightness in the sight of God, right standing in the sight of God, is uh, it is established through faith and trust in Jesus alone. All right, not by good works. All right, so as we talk about this now, I need you to, to really get this next concept because it's going to help us further understand John 3.16, okay? We're doing all of this so that you'll understand John 3.16, all right? So it's just not a Bible verse. You'll understand that the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation is all about Jesus. Every last bit of it is about him. 
In the Old Testament, uh, Jesus, uh, rather we can say it this way, the Old Testament was Christ concealed, but the New Testament is Christ revealed. In the Old Testament, we find a lot of types and shadows. The Old Testament says, well, this is what he is like. He is he is concealed or he is hidden in the old. This is what Christ is like. In the New Testament, this is Christ. Amen. Okay? Amen. So let me say it this way. Uh, if you had to explain to somebody what chocolate was and how it tastes, someone who's never tasted it, you, you may say words like sweet, you may say brown, you know, the color of it or whatever. You had to explain to them what chocolate was and how it tasted to someone who'd never ever seen it or heard of it before. How would you explain it? Well, they'd never seen Jesus. They knew God told them through the prophets what Jesus would do. Even Isaiah prophesied about him. So everything in the Old Testament, they were saying Jesus is like this. He, he's like that. New Testament here he is. Here's the chocolate. Eat it. Experience it yourself. Okay. Make sense? Yeah. So we see a lot of types and shadows about Jesus in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, he's revealed. Now, one way that God uh, will establish truth, one way he will establish truth is through witnesses. Through witnesses. Now, let me back up for a second. Your salvation was motivated by love. Motivated by love. And it is also established on truth, established on truth. Uh, we can, we all, as we said before, it is also activated by faith in the Son of God, faith in Christ alone. All right. Now, as we talk about truth, because it all stands on truth, all of it. When God speaks a word, it is truth. It is truth. It is reality. You must receive his word as truth. And when you receive his word as truth, that word becomes alive to you. Now, when God speaks his word into the earth, he always uses a witness. He establishes truth on witness. Say that with me. He establishes truth, he establishes truth. On, witness. on witness. Okay. So this is what you will see throughout the word of God. God will say it once and then he'll show it twice. And here it is. Or he may say it once and twice and then here it is. But it is always a divine echo, always a divine echo. And that principle of witness of how God will establish truth through witness is always through the Bible. All right. So let's go. Let me show you some examples of that. Deuteronomy 17 chapters. Deuteronomy 17. Now, are we making sense today? Amen. You getting this? De Deuteronomy 17 verse number six says, uh, now this is a law that they were passing. It says, at the mouth of two witnesses or three witnesses shall he that is worthy of death be put to death. But at the mouth of one witness, he shall not be put to death. General thought. If somebody gets in trouble, worthy of death, one person just can't say it alone because that one person is trying to establish the truth. He stepped on my toe, your honor, and I think he ought to get the chair. Yes, that is very harsh. He stepped on my toe. One person just can't say that happened. You have to have two or three witnesses to back it up. Okay? So if it's just you, no. But you and Joe Bob 
Hey, Your Honor, me and Joe Bob saw him run over my toe. All right, electric chair. Oh, whatever. You got what I'm saying. All right. All right. Verse, let's look at Deuteronomy 19, 15. Deuteronomy 19, 15. This is how it reads. It says, one witness shall not um, rise up against a man for any injury. No, for any uh, iniquity, right? Or for any sin. In any sin that he sinneth. At the mouth of what? Two witnesses or at the mouth of three witnesses. Three witnesses shall the matter be established. All right. So it says it again. Two or three witnesses. Let every matter be established. Let truth be established. We know it's true when you bring somebody with you. You and Rutabaga both said it. So we all accept that as truth. You, Rutabaga and Silly Sam says it. So we all accept that as truth. You got me? Let's go into the New Testament now. Let's look what Jesus said. Matthew 18, verse 16, through verse 15 and 16. Matthew 18, 15 and 16. It's what the Lord talks about with the church fellowship. He says here, moreover, if thy brother shall uh, trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou, shalt, thou hast gained thy brother. Verse 16, but if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more. You see this? One or two more that in the mouth of what? Two or three witnesses, every word may be established. Are you getting this yet? Amen. He establishes truth by uh, witnesses. He establishes truth. Now you hear Joe Bob and Silly Sam is here. We know it's we know it's correct. Not just one person, but two, two or three. All right. Let's go to them. Let's go to Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians thirteen and one. Second Corinthians thirteen and one. It says, "This is the third time I am coming to you." Paul said, "In the mouth of what two or three witnesses shall every word be established." All throughout the Bible. So if something is going to be true, then it's going to have to occur more than once. Amen. Okay? Amen. It's going to have to occur more than once. Now, you say, what does this have to do with Jesus? What does this have to do with uh, John 3.16? I'm so glad you asked because it's, it's, it's all of it. It's in there. All of it is in there. So God is establishing our salvation the salvation of the human race, and he established it upon truth, truth that has more than one witness, more than one witness. All right, let's, let me show you this. Let's go to Romans 3, Romans 3, verse 20 through 22. Because what's happening here, God is going to establish a new, going to establish a new way of being right with him. And that new way of being right with him is through Jesus Christ. So in order for him to do that, he's going to have to give witnesses. All right. Look at Romans, the third chapter, verse 20 through 22. It says, therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in the sight of God. Just because you're doing good, doing right, doesn't mean that God's going to accept you and take you in. It's not about what you've done. It says, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. Verse 21, but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being what? 
Being what? Being what? Being witnessed by the law and the prophets. You see that? Let me read that one more time. But now the but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested. That is, it is clearly seen being witnessed by the law and prophets. So the law and the prophets, the law as in the law, law of Moses, Ten Commandments, and all the other laws that God set down before the people that God gave Moses to give to the people, and all the prophets that prophesied and told about Jesus, all of them witnessed what Jesus would do, what he, what he, what he is like. All of them set up a pattern. An amount of two or three, and that was actually a whole lot more witnesses than just three. All of them would establish a truth, would establish a fact. Are you with me? Verse 22, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. Now, here's the truth. Now, here's why this is so important. Because... When men want to be right with other men, when people want to be right with people, we try to do things nice for you. Inevitably, when I want to get on your good side, I want to do something nice for you. And I know as long as I keep doing something nice for you, something that you like, that I will stay in your favor. And if I need something, maybe if you got it, you'll give it to me. As long as I do what you like. Right? But if I do something that you don't like, something that you're not pleased with, then I fall out of your favor. And if you got something that I need, you may or may not give it to me. Right? In human eyes, we base righteousness or right standing based on what we do. When you go to work on your job, when it's time to get a raise, they go to see, look on your record, have you been on time? Have you done your work properly? They look at what you have done to determine what you get. That's what we see about righteousness. So God is saying, I'm going to give you a completely different way of being right with me. Not by you giving me burnt offerings, not by you doing nice things in my name. I'm not by you doing. I'm going to tell you that this new way has to do with believing. So this completely goes against the nature of man altogether. It goes against man because we want to do. We want to do. But God says, no, I want you to believe. I want you to trust in what I'm telling you. And so because this way is new, he establishes it on more than one witness. We get that? Because you come out in left field and you say what? Now you don't want me to do, you want me just to believe in Jesus? And and when I believe in Jesus, then you make me right? Then then I want to do right? I want to serve you when I come into relationship with you? Hmm, that seems kind of strange. One witness, but he tells us again and again and again, establishing a witness. Look at this pattern in John 3, 14. Now remember this last week, here's the pattern. He says, Jesus said, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, first witness, even so must the son of man be lifted up, second witness, right? Moses lifted up the pole, first, Jesus actually hanging on the pole, hanging on the tree, hanging on the cross, second witness established. Make sense? It was done then, and the Lord does it twice. 
it is established. It is established. Does that make sense? All right. So everything that he does has to be established. And if our salvation in Christ has a witness, if it has a witness, then it is established. Then on the day of judgment, when you stand before God, when you stand before him, if the truth has been established, we can stand on the truth and not be afraid because we know that this truth is unmovable. It is unshakable. You, it, it, you can't turn it. It is there. It is permanently fixed if it has a witness. All right. So let's, let's look at it. Does John 3, 16 have a witness? Have we ever seen in the Bible, in the Old Testament, where God required a human sacrifice? Where the Lord God, Jehovah, required a human sacrifice, where another human being died. Is it because we know that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But he's also, a, he's also God wrapped in human flesh, a man is about to die on the cross to save the people, save us from our sins. He is a human sacrifice. Has God ever done that in Scripture? Because if we can't find that in Scripture, then that truth has not been established. Then our salvation is in vain. Has it been established? Of course it has. Go to Genesis 22. Let me tell you about this other that has happened here. Now, I'm going to read to you Genesis 22, uh, verses 1, I think, all the way down to verse 18. So we got a pretty long way to go here. I'm just going to read a little bit. But remember, some of you may remember the, the theme that I talked about a little while ago. I told you to repeat it a couple of times. What was that? Only begotten son or one and only son. Remember that? We saw that again and again and again. Look at this witness back in Genesis 22, the first book of the Bible. Let's read. This talks about Abraham. Well, let's go ahead. It says, and it came to pass. Now, this is again, this is Genesis 22. I'll read verses 1 through 18. And it says, and it came to pass after these things that God tempted, that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham. And he said, behold, here am I. Verse 2. And he said, take now thy son, thine only son Isaac. Somebody getting it yet? Yes. Thy only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon, upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. Sounds like a human sacrifice. Yes. Yes. Are you with me? Let's look at verse number three. And Abraham rose up early in the morning. Boy, I tell you, I may slow around for a little bit. <laughs> Thank God for the faith of this man. Hallelujah. God know who to choose. Amen. He rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and um, took two of the young men with him and Isaac, his son, and clayed the wood or he cut down, cut wood uh, for the burnt offering and rose up. And went unto the place of which God had told him of. Verse number four. Then on the what day? Third day. Wow, that's powerful, isn't it? Yes. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. What place? Remember, we just read that it was a mountain. Yes. 
It was a mountain. So on the third day, Abraham, Isaac had to ascend into the mountain. Third day, go up. Does that sound familiar what happened? On the third day, the Lord was resurrected and he went up. All right, we're getting this right. Seeing these shadows and pictures. Look at verse number five. And Abraham said unto his young men, abide ye here with the ass. And I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Now, God just told him, go up there and offer your son, sacrifice your son to me as a burnt offering. Burn him up. Kill him. Burn him up. But Abraham said, I and the lad going to go up and come back. Abraham believes something, doesn't he? Well, in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11 tells us what Abraham believed. Abraham believed that if God was, uh, that, that God was able to, to raise him up, that God was able to bring him back to life if he, if he had to sacrifice him. He was able to do it. He said, because, Lord, you promised me many nations, and if this boy is dead, how is that going to happen? So Abraham believed that, hey, he's gonna, he's gonna, I'll, I'll do this, but I know you're going to raise him from the dead. No problem. Strong in faith. Amen. All right. Let's look at verse number six. And Abraham took the wood and burnt offerings and laid it upon Isaac, his son. Now, Isaac, of course, was not a small child. A small child can't carry this pack of wood big enough for a sacrifice. All right. So we know Abraham is also very old. Now, he's well over 100 years old. Some of you know about this account. So if Isaac wanted to run away, I don't think Abraham could do anything about it. Are you hearing? Let's look a little bit further here. It says, And Abraham took the wood of, of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and the knife. And they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham, his father, and said, My father, he said, uh, Here I am, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering. What, would, what did uh, John the Baptist call Jesus? When he saw him coming, he said, Behold the Lamb of God that comes to take away the sins of the world. Isaac is prophesying, isn't he? He says, Where is the Lamb? Where is the Lamb for the burnt offering? Right? Verse number... Wait, wait. Verse number 8 says, And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a Lamb for a burnt offering. He's prophesying, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. God will provide, son. Uh, so they went, uh, both of them together. In verse 9, and they came to the place which God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood. Let me have the wood, son. Thank you very much. And, um, and laid the wood in order and bound his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Now, again, Isaac, uh, he's, not a, he's not a baby. He's not a toddler. Several things. One, he carries the wood. We know that. Two, he's intelligently talking to his daddy. He knows about this offering process. He's seen daddy do it a number of times before. There's the wood. When, where's the lamb, daddy? Where is it? He's able to go there. And then, but here... Abraham makes the sacrifice, rather he, he puts the wood in order, and I'm sure lights the fire there, 
Nice thing. And Isaac, come here, son. And he binds him. At this point, Isaac could run. He could fight. He could call defects. <laughs> help, help. Help, help. Something wrong with my daddy. Are you feeling what I'm saying? But none of that happens. Why? Because Abraham has heard the word and Isaac himself has submitted himself unto his father. Isaac knows it's not his will, but the will of his father, which is the exact same thing that Jesus said there in the garden before the crucifixion. He said, Father, let not my will, but let your will be done. Jesus was bound by the will of the father. He said, and if it's your will, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, let not my will, but let your will be done. Jesus was bound by the will of the Father. But Jesus was also a willing sacrifice. Isaac, also a willing sacrifice. Do you see the witness? See the witness. And so he, uh, Isaac was bound and he laid him. Upon, it says, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Put him on the wood. Or maybe it's not burning right now if he has put some on the wood. So I think that's going to happen later. Maybe after he, praise the Lord. So he laid him on the wood. Isaac's sitting right there. Submitted to the will of the father. Verse number 10 And Abraham stretched forth his hand. He has the knife. Stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. It was going to happen. It was going to happen. Verse 11 says, And the angel of the Lord called called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. I wonder why he had called him twice. Abraham was focused. I will do the will of the Lord. Stretched stretched forth his hand, picked up the knife. It was done. It was done. Isaac was dead. Good as dead. I want to show you this in scripture as well, because really Isaac was dead. He was accounted as dead. And when the angel spoke to him, said, don't do it. That was like Abraham receiving his son raised from the dead. Are you hearing? I'm going to show you this in the word of God just shortly. Verse 12 says, here's what the angel said. And he said, lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine what? thine only son from me. Can you see it? You've not withheld your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and behold behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering instead or in place of his son. And Abraham called the name of of that place Jehovah-Jireh. 
which means, of course, the Lord provides. As it is said to this day, uh, in the mount of the Lord, as in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. Verse 15. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time. Look at verse number uh, 16. And he said, by myself have I sworn. By myself. In other words, you know, when you when people swear, they may say, well, I swear by my dad's grave, my mama's grave. I swear by this. I swear by that. They try to swear or I swear to God. Right. There's none greater than the father to swear by. So he swore by himself. He says, he says, I swear by myself, by myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this and has not withheld what thy son, thine only son. Can you see it? Because you've done this, because you've made the first witness. What's going to happen? That in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gates of his enemies. Verse 18, and in thy seed, not seeds, S, but in thy seed, talking about the Christ because Christ would come through the lineage of Abraham. In thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because thou hast obeyed my voice. You have given me the first witness. So what happened? God stopped Abraham from giving his son, but he gave his son. Are you hearing? Let me show you this, confirm, this confirm, confirm, confirming scripture as we talked about there in Hebrews 11. Let me just show you Hebrews 11. Then we're going to close out. This is, this is some good stuff here. I hope that you're really getting into this and getting into this word. Hebrews 11, verse 17 through 19. Listen to how this reads. This is so wonderful. It says, by faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered up, uh, offered up his what? Only begotten son. Do you see that again? Amen. Let me read that again. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Verse 18. Of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Right. God's going to call the seed, the Christ out of the lineage of the lineage. Look at verse 19. Accounting. This is how Abraham was able to do it. Accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. From whence also he received him as a figure. Now, let me show, read that same verse to you out of the New Living Translation. It reads a little bit um, more plain. Verse 19, New Living says, Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a, and in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. Amen. So Abraham's son rose from the dead. God's son also rose from the dead. Can you see that? Can you see the witness? Yes. Yes. Amen. 
Abraham's son given as a sacrifice. God's son, Jesus Christ, given as a sacrifice. In a sense, or as in a figure, Abraham's son rose from the dead. Jesus actually did rise from the dead. Isn't that something? So this truth must be established. I told you, if there was any validity to John 3.16, if it was really true, there must be another witness for it in the word. And I believe today you have received and seen that other witness. I pray today that it was very clear to you that because this has a witness, it is forever established. It is unmovable. It is unchangeable. It is like a a mountain that cannot be moved or a planet that cannot be moved. It cannot be changed. You can rely on this new way that God has given This new way of being right with him by believing in Jesus. Remember the Lord said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the son of man must be lifted up. When they look to that, physical changes happen. Changes happen in them. In other words, invisible changes happen in them that eventually you could see outwardly. Same thing as we look to the cross of Christ, as we look to Jesus for our salvation, for our redemption, invisible changes happens on the inside that can eventually be seen on the outside through the way we live. Are you hearing? These are witnesses that God has set forth in the earth because he knows man, we are wired to do something good to get good things. When we do good, we expect to get good things. When we do bad, we expect to get bad things. We think that bad things are going to happen. But God said, I'm giving you another way of being right with me that's apart from your works. All I want you to do is believe in my son. Put your full faith, confidence, and rely on him for your salvation, for your deliverance. I want you to call him not only Savior, but also Lord. Give your whole entire life to him, and he, through his spirit, will begin to change you from the inside out. But it must be a whole heart thing. It must be a whole life thing. Let me leave you with this. If Jesus is not Lord of all, then he is not Lord at all. He's not going to be um, a side chick. I got my main right here that I go home to, but if you mess up, I got something over here. He's not going to be something on the side. He's not going to be a Santa Claus that you come and visit every once in a while and just make up a list and give it to him and hope that you've been nice all year long. He's got to be Lord, whole life service. He's not going to be just over on the side somewhere. And if he's just over on the side somewhere, somebody that you just get with one day a week to make yourself feel better. Because it's not doing anything for him to make yourself feel better, then that's not going to work. So the Lord is like a a very virtuous woman, so to speak. Meaning, if you want to be with me, 
you got to cut that other chick off. Amen. If you want to be with me, you got to put a ring on it. Oh, 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 oh. You got to commit. Give whole life. But there are a lot of people, unfortunately, in the halls of our churches or who may call themselves Christians. Now, just that have not made a commitment to Christ. They call themselves a Christian, but there's no ring on it. They've never given their whole life to Christ. So today I want to invite all of you to examine your walk with the Lord. Examine your walk with Jesus. Have you believed in him? Is he your Lord and your Savior? Is he above all other relationships in your life? I want to challenge you. Is Jesus above? Do you love him more than spouse, more than children, more than money, more than your car, more than anything? Do you love him more? Do you love him more? He must be first. And remember, if he's not Lord of all, then I'm telling you, he's not Lord at all. Because he's just not going to be aside something on the, on the side. So, Father, I pray in Jesus' name that as we've given your word today, Lord, I pray that your spirit has convicted the hearts of your people. And, Lord, that you will let us know if we're not in right standing with you. But Lord, how can we know these things really truly unless you have dealt with us? So Lord, I pray that you would draw us to you, draw us to you. I pray that you would shine your light upon our lives so that we may see the areas of darkness in, in any way that we are walking uh, contrary to your will in our lives. Show us these things so that we may repent, so that we may turn from them and turn unto you. Lord, we want you to be all and all in us. We want you to be Lord of all. We give all of our life to you. And we thank you, Lord, for the witness and that this salvation we believed in is true. We believe in you, Lord Jesus. And we ask you to come into our hearts, come into our lives, live big in us. Be our Lord, be our Savior, our God, and our King. We invite you into our hearts. And we believe that you will save us from the wrath of God. Now, Lord, use us. Use us for your glory in the earth today. Help us to walk according to our purpose, walk according to our destiny, that we may bear much fruit to the glory of God the Father. We pray not only for ourselves, but we pray for our family as well and for all those that pertain to us, all those that are connected to us. We pray that they will also walk in a loving relationship with Jesus. We love you today, and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. We pray that you have been richly blessed by today's message. Remember, if you would like to hear today's message in its entirety or hear the entire series, just go to our website at www.kingdomrock.org. That's kingdomrock.org. You can also subscribe to our podcast and get it on the go. And if you have a Roku device, make sure you search for Kingdom Rock TV. And there you will find this program and so much more. We would also love to see you in a live service. Just go to our website to get the details at www.kingdomrock.org. Until next time, remember that Jesus loves you and so do we. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way.